0: You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. This is Mark Brigman, and uh, I've got my sidekick with me, Mr. Tyler Pittman. Tyler, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing? Good, good, good.
1: Ready to knock out another one of these?
0: Let's do it. Man, I love this. Yeah. Podcasting is uh, pretty good, pretty fun. Yeah. I could talk about this topic all day long.
1: Absolutely. I just like talking, so <laughs> it works out good. You uh, planning on drinking any craft beer this weekend?
0: Um, Yes, that is always a safe bet.
1: <laughs> it's always on the schedule somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, and drinking craft beer is on the schedule somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> we love us a little bit of craft beer, so... You, uh, you've been digging into these IPAs, man. Indian oh, pale ales.
1: Absolutely.
0: Oh, you know what? Hey, I forgot to tell you this, but so I, I bought us uh, an IPA kit. Yeah? Yeah. Heck yeah. So Tyler and I, we, we've we done some brewing. Yeah. So we've been uh, home brewing for years, and uh, we busted out a batch. That was probably two months ago, something like that, six, eight yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, we were trying to mirror
1: our fa- one of our favorites, Tank 7 from... Boulevard Brewing Company. Uh, what? How? What do you, you think? You think it turned out all right?
0: I think it turned out all right. Uh, definitely drinkable, but it was just to me. It was kind of too sweet. It was yeah. kind of. It was. It was kind of boring.
1: Yeah, that's what we both had agreed on. Well, we ended up mixing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was actually a good call.
1: Yeah, heck yeah, because we like them. We like the hops, so it add a little bit of a little bit of skip to it
0: yeah drop in just a, a little bit of hops a little bit of uh an ipa and yeah definitely gives it a little bit of a a bump and yeah it made it made it really solid but yeah i figure we have just we'll just go with like a straight up ipa and yeah uh, actually i think it's a, a west coast okay is what i what i got us so and you've always
1: said those are they kind of have a hop competition sometimes, right? See you can get the hoppiest beer. Yes. Sometimes I, it's a bit of an overload, though. <laughs>
0: absolutely. I I love some kick. I love some some bitterness. But man, those those double IPAs and uh, hop stupids and stuff like that. Man, they, it's it's just a little bit little bit too mean for me.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a a fine line for me. <laughs> yeah, no question. But yeah, I've developed the the taste palette for it, so I enjoy it.
0: Well, we're pretty lucky here in Kansas City, man. Have a lot of different yeah. you know, microbrews and breweries to to go check out. So it's mm-hmm. it's a fun scene.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's get into it. Let's uh, start with a couple questions we had in from the website, like we did last episode. It's it's good to see, you know, people asking questions and wanting to pick our brains a little more and.
0: Yeah, what's the easiest way to, uh, for people to submit questions?
1: Uh, you can either send an email to uh, podcast at par- partnernomics.com and we'll get those answered for you uh, either on here or via email back to you, but we would like to answer them on here because you know we got time to talk, for- talk about it. So. Well, other
0: people probably have the same question, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So then we can just answer somebody else's question as well. So, so first up we have, uh, Jessica and Jessica asked if every partnership has to have a contract.
0: Good question. Um, does every partnership have to have a contract? My short answer is yes. If you want the partnership to do something for you.
1: Right. So it'd be, you're recommending (laughs) there be a contract. Yeah, I do.
0: So Yeah, I guess a partnership at its most basic form is when two people, two entities, you know, agree to provide value to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been my experience that if you you don't have some sort of a written agreement in place, the commitment is zero, and usually the output is zero. Mm -hmm. And even if you do have a contract in place, it still doesn't mean that you necessarily have strong commitment or output that comes from it um, so yeah Jessica great question uh, I would say yes especially if you are really depending on this partner as a part of your business you definitely want to to have an agreement a written agreement uh, with them and specifically have some performance deliverables if you're if you're counting on this company to, perform marketing activities, to develop technology for you, to be a, a, a lead generation or a sales generation, a revenue generation partner for you, um, that, that company is probably going to be vital or critical to your success. Mm-hmm. And if you want the partnership to per, you know if you want the, the partnership to work, if you want that partner to perform for you and, and be able to count on them, it definitely makes sense to take the time and put a solid agreement in place
1: yeah i mean my two cents on that i've always lived by you get out what you put in so you might as well agree to them you know putting in a amount of effort so that you're i mean it just maximizes the results you know
0: yeah, there's a famous saying that you know in the contracting world if if it wasn't written it wasn't said You, you know, know? if it wasn't written it didn't happen <laughs> and so it's the you know the power of having a written agreement and it really just gives you a document both parties right it gives you a document to go back to mm-hmm. and to, to look at to review to see what you know the the intent was another component to this question is even you know say the larger organization a lot of times the people that execute the partnerships you that, that sign right they negotiate they sign the agreements It's not the same people or the same team that manages or executes the partnership. Mm -hmm. And so even from that perspective, it's a little bit of a twist uh, on your question, Jessica, but um, the importance of having an agreement explicitly stated allows people to go back and just see what was the intent of the partnership and what were the deliverables for that. I'd also be remiss to say that... uh, you know, it's commonly said, and we say it all the time, that if you have to go back and look at the contract after it's been signed, something's wrong with the partnership, right? Because right? it should be about the relationship and about the commitment and providing value to each other. Um, but yes, I, I think you definitely want to have a written agreement in place.
1: Absolutely. Well, moving on to our second question from Kevin. Kevin is from Ohio, and... He asked if you would recommend using a term sheet, and if yes, what is the best process he could follow?
0: Kevin, great question. <laughs> um, I've, heard, you... I've heard
1: you mention a lot about term sheets, so
0: <laughs> I'm going to give you the short answer on this one because uh, we have an entire lesson in uh, in our curriculum. Where we we talk about this, it's the five-phase partnering process. Uh, we go into great detail and and give examples, uh, templates to use for the term sheet. Short answer: Yes, absolutely use a term sheet. Um, so let me talk about what a term sheet is. So whenever you start down this partnering path uh, with a you know with another company, and you're performing due diligence or having conversations really early in the process. You're having conversations to try to see if it makes sense to to do this deal with each other. One of the things that you can do to really kill momentum is to throw a 30-page contract in front of them with deal terms. Um, Number one, as soon as a contract gets tossed over the fence... Attorneys seem to get involved. And number two, um, there's just not an efficient way to share and to discuss and to negotiate, to bargain, whichever term you want to use, the terms of the deal. I mean, it just really throws a lot of mud in, in the middle of the situation. Mm-hmm. So definitely use a term sheet. And term sheets, they can literally start off as simple as just having – an email with two or three bullet points on it. And then as the conversations continue to transpire over time, the term sheet will become a little bit bigger. It'll just have more and more terms in it. And so by the the end of your kind of back and forth, as you go deeper into the negotiating process, you will eventually have Every business term, what I'll, what I'll call quote unquote a business term, you'll end up having every business term in your term sheet. And then when it's done correctly, your term sheet is actually used to then very quickly, very easily, very efficiently write the partnering agreement. You know, you don't grab a partnering agreement template and then just start, you know, tossing these terms into it right. and then launch it over the fence. Um, the, the agreements are brought into the process whenever essentially all of the business terms have been negotiated.
1: So they kind of term sheets help you document as you go, you know, the terms that you talk about. And then at the end, you kind of have something to be able to formulate that partnering agreement off. Yep. Okay. That's exactly it. That's yeah.
0: exactly it. I'd like to throw out another tidbit of of information, it's absolutely uh, kind of one of those what we call success practices. And that is, you know, some companies have what we call non-standard legal terms, right? So in term sheets, those are primarily used to share and volley these business terms back and forth. But let's say, for example, your company has a very stringent requirement on liability insurance or a limitation of liability, or some legal term um, that's non-standard, you definitely want to put that non-standard legal term into your term sheet and share it with your prospective partner before they see it in a contract. Right. You know, I mean, just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, the partnership success pyramid. The foundation is trust Mm -hmm. and we're we're always either building trust or we're eroding trust right and man it 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 all comes down to that find that foundation of trust Mm -hmm. and I can tell you that if if it's a general practice in your company to toss these contracts over the fence with a lot of surprises in them that you haven't discussed at all with a potential partner, that is one of the fastest ways to erode trust. Right. It's definitely something that you want to avoid. And, and using a term sheet well is one way to do that. Yeah. I know Bernie Bernie
1: Brenner, he'll swear to it. I listened to his thought leader conversation, and he definitely said use term sheets. <laughs>
0: yeah, as a matter of fact, so I asked him, and he's – Oh, gosh, I don't even know how many hundreds of deals this this guy's done over his career. He's one of the founders of TrueCar, And uh, so I asked him, you know, if he had one piece of advice, if there was one thing that he could, you know, have partner development leaders do, these people that uh, manage strategic partnerships or biz dev teams, what is that one piece of advice that he would share? And and you hit the nail on the head. He's (laughs) use term sheets. Use them and use them correctly. Right.
1: So last question for you, Mark, is from Taylor. And Taylor asks, she said that she has, she or he, sorry, <laughs> they have in-house attorneys that help with the contracting process. And when would be the best time to bring them into the conversation when exploring a new partnering opportunity?
0: Yeah, good question. And, and actually we're asked this frequently frequently. So there's yeah there definitely can be some some nuances or some differences between having in-house counsel, right, where you work for a decent sized company, decent sized organization and you have your own lawyers um, as opposed to using outside counsel where you always have the meter running, you know, right. whenever you're whenever you're working with those lawyers. So you, depending on which position you're in, you you may um, adjust your strategy. But um you know whenever I worked at Sprint obviously we had in in-house counsel but we were really lucky in that we always got to work with the same attorney on our deals and fortunately he was very good. He really understood what we were trying to accomplish mm-hmm. um within our teams and all the different initiatives that we were working on. So he knew it really well. He was easy to work with and he knew that our job was to negotiate and to work all of the business side of of the negotiation. And he was there to really represent Sprint yeah. the, from a corporate side and from a risk side. And so, you know, that's the way that I view working with attorneys is the, the, the biz dev person, the strategic partnering person, they are the ones that want this partnership or see an opportunity for the partnership, they're the ones that are intimately familiar with the strategy of what the business is trying to accomplish. And it's the attorney's role to make sure that you don't put a silly agreement in place that exposes the company from a risk perspective. Um, So I would say it depends on your relationship with that attorney. But I will say that, you know, really effective partner development leaders or these biz dev leaders they have the ability to to run with these initiatives basically right up to the finish line Mm -hmm. where the where the only thing that you need to do is to put the terms into an agreement and get the agreement executed you know in my opinion lawyers should not be brought in to help negotiate the agreement right the negotiation should be done by the biz dev leader
1: because they. If you're in that biz dev role, you know what you want out of it, and essentially what you know who to not who to partner with, but you know the intentions of what you want to do. Whereas the lawyer, you'd just be bringing them in and trying to fill in as you go.
0: Yeah, and the the attorneys bless their hearts. I mean, they're trying to be helpful. Yeah, they yeah. want to be helpful, and they see their role as being. We got to get this agreement to the finish line mm-hmm. and sometimes they they try to to jump in and help negotiate business terms mm-hmm. but to your point they don't really understand the business right. in a lot of cases and definitely don't understand the nuances of what you want from this partner and uh, although they're trying to be helpful they're coming at it you know with good intentions they can they can really muddy the waters quickly
1: right I feel like they could Accidentally skip a step too that is necessary, and that I don't know. It ju- yeah, it just makes it a lot, lot muddier, like you said. Yeah. So. Good question. Yeah, good question. Absolutely. Um So as we've been going through the partnership success pyramid in the last two uh podcasts, we first touched on you know the base of trust, and in our previous podcast talked about alignment and. With the four aspects of alignment being vision, mission, core values, and goals. And today we're gonna move to transparency. And within those within transparency, the three aspects that we talk about are clear, honest, and timely communications. So I'll let you kick us off on transparency.
0: Yeah, so transparency, as as you mentioned, is the third imperative. Mm-hmm. It's the third must-have in order for partnerships to succeed. And so transparency, I guess a synonym or another word that we could use is is just effective communication. But but transparent or transparency to me goes one step further. You know, it's it's not being coy, it's not hiding the ball, it's it's really putting it on the table and showing your cards, but aligning yourself with that partner so that you can provide value to them. They see that and you you share how they can provide value to you. Everybody sees that and it's, it's absolutely, like we said, it's, it's an imperative for partnership success. And so yeah, you mentioned there there are three different components, clear, honest, and timely. And and, and those are very intentional words that we use. And so the the first, just being clear, it's it's one it's it's allowing your partner to very simply, very overtly understand what you're signing up to do and what you're accepting obligations for. And what you expect your partner to sign up for, um, to to be obligated to provide. I mean, a, a partnership is is worthless unless there are some obligations, some outcomes that are going to come of it.
1: Right. Yeah. So, the second one, being honest, and I have found in personal experiences that you know, honesty is the, the best policy.
0: That's the saying, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's how it goes from what I remember. But I mean, I, yeah, being honest, it is so important. And I think just relationship building, but to the partnering aspect of it, I can definitely see where it is increasingly important.
0: Yeah. Each Each of these components, as you see them, um, I mean, it it all goes back to trust, right? Mm -hmm. It all goes back to the foundation. So, you know, the alignment that we talked about uh, last podcast, transparency here. Um, but even these subcomponents, clear, honest, timely communications, each one of those, they either add to trust or they take away from trust mm-hmm. or they erode it. And on the honesty side, it's not necessarily saying, you know, don't lie. Right. Of course, that is part of it. Mm-hmm. But, but even kind of on the flip side, let's say you have to be the bearer of bad news. You know, a lot of times we just, we don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Mm-hmm. And whenever we have these different partnerships, um, you know, we have to execute our plan. We have to accomplish our goals. We have to hit these milestones. And sometimes bad things happen. Right. And we miss a deadline. We, we you know, whatever the case is. And we need to be able to, you know, be super honest and you know, just let them reach out, talk to that partner. Hey, we dropped the ball. A happened, B happened, C happened, whatever the case is, be transparent, share with them, you know, that honesty, be willing to be vulnerable. And it's amazing how that can actually turn into a trust builder. Yeah. And a relationship builder. You know, honest. Obviously, if if we consistently drop the ball, that's a competency issue, and that's a that's a major problem. Yeah, but that's something different. Yeah, um, but yeah, honesty is definitely the best policy. Yeah, I mean, mistakes are
1: going to happen; it's part of life. But I, if I remember correctly, there was a question in the Paul Zach interview, and you asked him, you know, when when you're going through a challenge or something comes up, you make a mistake, you know, how do you approach that and he just said be upfront about it don't don't push it aside so just being honest about it and owning up to it will like you said build trust in the end because you're you know you're owning up to it and not pushing something to the side and trying to avoid it
0: yeah if it comes out where our partners see that we tried to sweep it under the rug Mm -hmm. that's not good (laughs) it gets pretty hairy yeah yeah that's not good for trust building
1: yeah uh so last element here is timely communication and there's not nothing better than being on time (laughs) so
0: yeah and this this kind of piggybacks the the honesty piece and that is whenever we are engaged in partnerships and especially a truly strategic partnership um you know if, if something is truly strategic that means that it hasn't been done before or there's not a script for it and so by definition we're doing some highly innovative initiative and whenever we're doing things that are new or not following a script stuff is going to go wrong Mm -hmm. and the the important piece with the timely part is we owe it to our partner to tell them as soon as we know that we need to change the course of action right Because the more time that we give our partner to adjust, the the easier it is for them to adjust. It gives them more options. But if we wait till the 11th hour to drop a bomb on their front door of, hey, we're not going to have this done. I know we were supposed to be sending the email to you in 60 seconds, but um, it's it's not coming. We didn't get it done. And oh, by the way, we knew this a week ago. (laughs) That's an issue. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that about wraps us up time-wise for this
0: podcast. So another one in the books. Sounds good, buddy. Mm -hmm. Number six down. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Partnernomics Podcast. We'll see you next time. Partnernomics Podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics Podcast, visit partnernomics.com.